Hi, everybody, and welcome back to the IBS Freedom Podcast. I am joined by my amazing co-host, Amy Hollenkamp, RD, in the house. Hey, everybody. And we are recording this just a couple of days after the new year. So I thought it would be oh so appropriate to do an episode about detoxification. Let's talk about those detox pathways, the do's, the don'ts, the bullshit, and everything in between. Um, Amy, care to start us off with a word on detoxification? Yeah, I think I think almost starting with what is detox is a good place to start because I feel like there's a lot of confusion around what that even means. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that the, the word detox gets sort of misused and abused a little bit Tons. or just kind of like interpreted in weird ways. Mm-hmm. Um, from my standpoint, I sort of think about, and maybe it's the nutrition side of me, like how can we, how can our body manage waste? Mm-hmm. How can we make sure that we're getting rid of things that need to be gotten rid of, uh, from our bodies? Um, but a lot of times, and I think a lot of the, I think about the liver a lot in that equation, like mm-hmm. what sort of things does the liver need? The kidneys can also be at play in detox as well. Um, really anything that's in also gut function, obviously you want to yep. be pooping stuff out. Yep. So there's a lot of different factors in how you're moving things out of the body from a detox standpoint. Um, I find that generally people think of detox as like juice cleanses. Like, do you feel like that's sort of the general idea when people think of detox is like these juice cleanses and those sorts of things? That's the, I think that's what ends up happening a lot in like the, um, the mainstream is like, yeah, it's either a juice cleanse or um, maybe like almost half a step up is, is you get marketed some expensive product, like a protein powder that has a bunch of stuff in it. Right. And like you do meal replacements and it's like your detox shake, you know, like the quintessential, um, yeah. uh, like herbal life or something like that. Yeah. You know? I think the MLM companies are really quite bad about that, but even some of the functional companies, um, yeah. but yeah, detox can go way, way beyond those two elements. And I like how you worded it. It's, how the body gets rid of waste or unwanted stuff. Right. Right. And I think that, you know, if your body is not detoxing properly and pathways get really jammed up, you really can't more move forward gut wise at all. Um, I think inability to move waste can really hold back gut repair mm-hmm. in a lot of different ways. Um, and then if your gut's imbalanced, it can naturally lead to more, clogged detox pathways. It can jam up things. If you're not able to detox some of the toxins that are coming from the gut. Um, so there's definitely a lot of interplay, uh, between detox and gut health, mm-hmm. um, and a lot of connections there. So I'm excited. We're going to be able to dig deeper into that and what that means. Yeah. Um, yeah, but I think the mainstream stuff's really interesting too. I feel like it typically focuses a lot on like what you were saying, herbal blends. Mm-hmm. I find that sometimes it's not focusing specifically on nutrients either that are are really important for detox. So, you know, they might have like milk thistle, which I, I think milk thistle is awesome. Like, again, there's nothing wrong with milk thistle, yeah. but you still need things like B6, um, B12, 
uh, glutathione, glycine, mm-hmm. those types of, of nutrients to help with detox as well. Yeah. So it's, it's like a, it can be a complex thing to address detox as well too. Yeah. Um, go and ahead. I, I think another element is like going on a detox quote unquote tends to be a very like short-term short-sighted, Yeah. you know, Oh, it's, you know, it's, January 1st, I'm going to start my detox and I'm going to do it for like a week or two and then I'll be good. Right. And, you know, when you buy these products, for example, or if you sign up for like a juice cleanse at your local juice shop, like there's one across the street from my office and I see the signs every year, like, okay, new year, you know, you can sign up for a program and get basically all of your juice meals through them for like a week and it's a big bundle. Yeah. And it's like, it, it gives you this illusion that detox then can end and like, right. oh, you just, you like pound through it for a while and then you don't have to worry about it. And then you could go back to drinking water out of your BPA plastic water bottle and using body care products that are loaded with phthalates or parabens and like, you know, doing whatever, I don't know, gnawing on a piece of mercury. I don't know what people do, but like, you could just, you know, take care of it for like a week or two and then you're good. And it's like, well, no, I, I think the biggest part of detoxification in my eyes is avoidance of all of the chemical shit yeah. in the world. And no matter where you are on planet earth, assuming you're listening from planet earth, you're pretty much doomed. Like there's going to be something in your environment, yeah. yeah. whether it is a metal like mercury or these endocrine disruptors or pesticides or herbicides, like literally there's nowhere you can go on planet earth now that does not have these man-made chemicals or these toxic chemicals. So I think a big piece in my eyes is like, when I do have this conversation with patients, it's more of like, I give them a handout that I, I jokingly call like the horrifying handout. And I'm like, if, if I've made this handout, well, it'll probably give you some nightmares. Cause I yeah. list off like the compound where you can find it as some of the health conditions it's associated with. And like, just try to knock stuff off the list. Like, you know, you don't have to go move onto a hippie commune and like never use soap again immediately. Right. But maybe like swap out a couple of toxic products every time you go shopping, like just try to replace things with a less toxic version of it. Right. And then gradually, I think you'll be in a bit of a better place. Um, Yeah. I I think that's a big part of it. And then, like you said, focusing on, all right, just understanding that you're going to be exposed to some background amount of chemical shit then make sure you have the nutrition and the nutrients and maybe the herbs and whatever else on hand to make sure that your body is processing appropriately what you are actually exposed to. Cause there's some stuff that you just can't avoid. Right. And I think what you're saying, such a good point um, that, you know, we live in a more toxic world now than ever before. And it's probably only going to get worse. Unfortunately, yep. I hate to be doom and gloom. Um, And I think that it just makes people so much more susceptible to issues with detox, like what you're saying. And I find too, that it almost breeds more nutrient deficiencies because like, Mm -hmm. okay, first off, maybe our diet quality overall isn't as good as it has been. And then we need more glutathione. We need more of these nutrients to help us detox compounds that need to be expelled from the body. And so I think a lot of times like those depletions can take some time to 
like overcome. Like a lot of times if people have like low glutathione, their liver has been really kind of congested for a while. They haven't been moving their bowels regularly. Like there can be some pretty intense like detox issues going on and it might take a, a more broad spectrum approach of, you know, what nutrients could be low, mm-hmm. what you're saying again, is, are there any herbals that could help, um, help stimulate the, the waste excretion? Like how can we go about doing that? Um, but yeah, I think it's totally a, a really important part to look at some of the products that, that you're using to help kind of take those factors off the table you're you're limiting what's going in so that you can get out what's already maybe congested in there yeah um if you're dealing with gut issues and kind of more chronic health issues in general um definitely something that I see often in the SIBO space is like a need for more liver support um more opening up of the detox pathways and it's not necessarily a super I would say it's not discussed enough um, as a part of the process. Sometimes there's like, just, we need to go in and kill everything. And it tends to exacerbate some of these detox issues. Cause if you're killing stuff and aren't able to really excrete the things that the byproducts of the killing, yeah, it can just stress out the detox pathways even more and create a lot more stress in the body and kind of prevent healing and moving forward. And so I'm really happy again, we can kind of touch on that because I do think in the SIBO space, especially there's like not much focus on detox as much as there should be. Hardly any from what I've seen. Right. Um, And I'm a little bit guilty of this too. Like I think um, I might've told you this in one of our previous episodes, like there was a while where like I had this background understanding of like, all right, adrenal fatigue isn't really a real thing as we have been told it is. Yeah. So I kind of just like put it on the back burner and ignored it for a long time and just thought, okay, well, if adrenal fatigue is not real, then whatever, I'm just not going to like focus on the so-called adrenal nourishing herbs. And then now I've come full circle and I've realized, okay, the model of like measuring the adrenal hormones and the rhythm and deducing whether the gland itself is fatigued or not is very limited and probably not a a big thing, but those herbs impact a lot of other areas of the body and like still supporting that stress response and still like doing the things that you might do under the assumption of adrenal fatigue can be profoundly helpful. So now, like, I think I have a better working relationship with that concept. And I feel like I did the same thing with detox where there was a lot of years where I really kind of like intentionally, but unintentionally ignored it because I don't know, like, even though the gut and the liver are physically connected and they're in the same abdominal cavity and like all the blood from the gut goes up to the liver via the portal vein, like they're connected by a giant vein. I, I still felt like, okay, it's not, and this is like my baggage as a clinician, like rather than have the conversations with people to justify each piece of the treatment plan and like explain to them why, okay, I know you think you just have a gut problem, but actually we need to work on X or Y or Z. Like rather than having some of those tough conversations where skeptical patients were like, nah, I don't need a detox. I just kind of like skipped it. Yeah. And also it felt like this thing that gets so frequently bastardized and I didn't want 
people to think like I was a quack because I'm saying they need to detox. And for whatever right. reason, I just kind of put on back burner for a while. And then only in more recent years, I've started realizing, again, like there's, there's more than one way to pet a cat. Like we can do a detox by starting to focus on eliminating the toxic things and making sure you're nutritionally replete and making sure that you're pooping and like maybe doing some herbs to facilitate those detoxification pathways if we need to, or binders. So um, I've kind of come full circle, but I'm not a big fan for the record of like the really aggressive detoxes. I don't know if you have any experience with that, or if you know any clinics that do that, but like the, you know, the IV chelation or even like chelation therapy. Yeah. Those scare the bejesus out of me. Um, (laughs) And I'm fully blamed Tatis Karazian for this because I didn't realize how dangerous they were until I heard him talk about it. Yeah. Um, It was years ago now, but he showed many, many papers that kept pointing toward uh, these chelating agents, DMSA and EDTA, which depending on where you go, like they could be administered orally or through an IV if it's like a really intense detox. Um, They do chelate or pull out metals from the body, but then they'll preferentially dump them in the liver and the brain. Uh, Like that's a cringe. That is a big cringe for those of you who are listening audio only. Like, uh, uh, Like, I don't think it's worth my while, at least with my current understanding, I don't think it's worth my while to pull a toxin out of like adipose tissue and then dump it in my brain. Like that, yeah. just, that seems like a really bad idea. Um, so that's the thing too, is like detoxes can either be like super, I don't know, um, like the kind of consumerist model driven where it's like, you need to buy this product and take this product for a week or two or three or four. Right. Or it could be like really intense and medical feeling, but that actually I think has some dangers to it that aren't fully understood. Um, and I kind of, I want to like meet in the middle. <laughs> I feel like that's right. a theme for our podcast. Like we just want yeah. to be somewhere in the middle. Like, right. It's like a, it, think about it, but don't go crazy. And like, don't fall for the gimmicks in like the consumerist market either. Yeah, no, I 100% agree. And I think it's like important too, like that people are listening to their bodies as well. Like when they're doing any sort of like detox too, because there's some sorts of detoxes that can be a little bit Again, I typically like gentler detoxes that aren't going to be any, create any intense um, reactions. Um, and I typically, again, if someone has SIBO too, like even just being aware that your body might need some detox help it is always good. Um, so like when you're doing any sort of clearing and you do feel like you're kind of not feeling great from the clear clearing Mm -hmm. for a longer period of time. Like it's not something that like is there for a couple days and and goes away. But if you have like the die off type situation, like to me, that's always red flag that there probably is some issues with, with detox. Mm -hmm. Um, So I think like you should always be aware of when first, when your body needs a little bit of detox or trying to like locate the signs. And one of the signs is just not feeling well from a clearing protocol or any sort of manipulation of the gut if you're working on your gut. But I also think like knowing how you're responding to some of the detox agents, like sometimes people are just like, oh, I'm supposed to feel like this with detox. Like I'm supposed to kind of feel worse before I feel better. And that's just not always 
the truth at all. Yeah, it can sometimes be a reaction to something that you're taking mm-hmm. uh, and it not working for your body. Yeah, I agree. I think the the so-called her- herxing reaction, um, I see it as a red flag for uh, a leaky gut because I think the people who are getting, you know, like brain fog and massive fatigue and aches and pains and kind of like fluish symptoms a lot of the time, that die-off reaction from doing antimicrobials um, first, I'm always questioning like, all right, do you have a bad leaky gut? Like if we're killing off a bunch of bacteria, ideally a lot of those bacterial toxins and byproducts should stay local to the gut and then you should poop them out. So if it's getting through the gut barrier and causing a systemic reaction, we're probably looking A, at a leaky gut, but B, if it's going up to the liver again, via that portal vein and the liver's freaking out and launching an inflammatory immune response to it, then we probably need to support the liver too. Mm-hmm. Um, I do. I agree with that wholeheartedly. Um, I think another really, it, it's not a common symptom, but it's a dead ringer for detox support need is multiple chemical sensitivity. Mm-hmm. And usually these people will have some understanding of this already. So this won't be new news to them, but like the people who could smell the faintest whiff of bleach and they get migraine. Or somebody yeah. who, you know, if if another person in the same room is wearing perfume and then they get close to you, you're going to get a migraine or you're going to feel fluish or you're going to feel run down. Or, or if you have some inflammatory bodily response to a smell of a chemical or exposure to a chemical, that's a dead giveaway that you need to support your detox pathways. Um, and again, most of those people kind of have that understanding already that yeah. they're chemically sensitive. Um but some don't have an understanding of that. So I think that's worth mentioning too. Yeah. And I think just to touch on to like the red flagging of the Herxheimer type reactions, I think there's this like general opinion too, just to push, just to plow through those. Yeah. And like what you're saying, again, it could be leaky gut. It could be other things, could be liver getting congested and and inflamed Mm -hmm. and trying to push through that could just make matters so much worse. So I just think again, like being gentle, it, sometimes the most aggressive isn't always the best approach. Yeah. Um, and that's kind of probably across the board. Um, yeah. but just making sure you're listening to your, to your body when, when you're having the, the Herxheimer type reactions, um, it, in terms of like some of your favorite strategies, uh, for detox, like what sort of angles do you like mm. to approach when it comes to detox? Ooh. Okay. Um, So I'll just, I'll quickly touch on nutritional stuff, but I'll leave that a little bit more to you. Um, Caloric restriction, broadly speaking, is great for detox. Um, It just fires up all the detox pathways. It opens Mm -hmm. things up. So you can actually do a really cheap, really efficient detox if you just do a day of fasting. Um, And I think in that regard, like the juice fasts and the juice cleanses and stuff, and even like the, you know, Clearvite or whatever protein shake product you want to, you want to do a lot of them when you're doing a detox, quote unquote, um, a, a lot of the time you'll do like two of those protein shakes for your meals for the day. And then you'll do one normal meal for the day. And I think if nothing else beyond what the ingredients are beyond what's in the juice, the fact that you're eating less food than you probably normally would have the caloric restriction that goes into that is probably doing something favorable for your detox pathways, if I had to guess. 
because uh, just broadly, like fasting or caloric restriction is really great for facilitating detoxification. Um, cruciferous vegetables, I'm a big fan of. Um, if you could do now, obviously, if you are having issues with FODMAPs, then you have to kind of like juggle the two. You need to treat the SIBO and the dysmotility to a point where you can tolerate the cruciferous vegetables in an abundance. But assuming that you don't have a flaring issue with the FODMAP foods, if you could do a lot of cruciferous vegetables or like, you know, broccoli seeds, sprouts, whatever you can tolerate, um, they have a lot of things in them that are good for detoxification also. And then just any sort of fiber or the variety of plant fibers that you can get is wonderful. Because again, if you aren't pooping, you're not detoxing. So even if your liver is working and you're having that chemical reaction take place and like you're going through the phase one, phase two, and you're excreting stuff into bile, you dump the bile into the gut. And then if it just sits there because you're constipated and you're only pooing, you know, once every three days, you're going to take a bunch of that stuff back up into circulation and it's, it's not getting out the exit. So just anything that you could do to keep yourself having bowel movements every day throughout that process also is going to be really pretty clutch. Um, for herbs, I, it's funny, I would have to pull the one that I use most frequently off the shelf. Um, I have most of my patients do some sort of a multivitamin anyway, mm-hmm. on top of just a healthy diet. And that way, if you have like a day or two here or there where you're a little bit low on folate or you're a little bit low on whatever, like you kind of have that, that base covered if you just have like a one a day multivitamin anyway. Um, so not focusing on that quite as much. Then herbs, like you said, um, milk thistle is nice. It's more hepatoprotective rather than like revving up the detox pathways. Intrinsically. Right, right. That can be a useful thing. Um, Shizandra, which I mentioned in the holiday episode is one of my favorite adaptogenic anti-stress herbs. Uh, Shizandra is very, very hepatoprotective right about in line with milk thistle, if not better, um, as far as like hepatoprotection it offers. Um, believe it or not, St. John's wort is really great for detoxification. And that's precisely the reason why it's contraindicated for literally every medication. So if you're on a prescription medication, you have to Google this and find out if you're able to take St. John's wort. Don't, don't like, you know, be a person who's on Coumadin and then you take St. John's wort and then F it up and say, Oh my God, the podcast told me, um, I'm not your doctor, but for what it's worth, St. John's wort is contraindicated or not recommended for people taking a myriad of prescription medications precisely because it's a wonderful detoxifying herb. It speeds up your detox enzymes to a point where you no longer will have a therapeutic dose of that medication in your blood because it's helping your body get rid of it much quicker. Um, so St. John's work can be really, really wonderful. Um, and then, you know, dandelion artichoke. I mean, there's a lot of herbs that are famous for detoxification support. They all have kind of their, their own little unique flavors and like what they do again, like, you know, an example being hepatoprotection. So protecting the cells of the liver from damage versus speeding up enzymes or facilitating enzymes like St. John's wort might, um, I think, you know, kind of figuring out the balance of what you need, it, can be a little bit tricky um, as far as like recommending them on a podcast. And I'll usually use some degree of lab work to guide this, but those are some of my favorites. Yeah, no, those are all great. I I love your suggestions. Um, And avoidance. Avoid the toxic stuff. (laughs) Right. That's my number one. Right. You want anything I just said, just avoid the toxic shit. Yeah. You can't be kind of um, 
trying to detox when you're adding more and more to the bucket. Like it's yeah. kind of becomes a, a never ending cycle then. So you do kind of have to stop the, the flow of traffic uh, up yeah. top. Um, yeah, no, I like everything that you said. Um, I think the not pooping thing is really interesting and you suggesting the fiber. Cause I think a lot of times it seems so obvious but there's so many people, I think, in the SIBO IBS space that aren't getting enough fiber mm-hmm. um, just because they're eliminating a lot of different fermentable fibers. And they might be eating a lot of insoluble fibers. Sometimes people are eating more insoluble fibers yeah. than soluble fibers. And they're like, well, I'm getting fiber, but it's just not the right type of And sometimes fiber. that makes constipation even worse. Right. If you have like all insoluble fiber. Yep. Like that can maybe plug you up a little bit more. For sure. So I think that's a really great point and something to clue in on that I don't think people are cluing in on. And I think a lot of times with the, with people being more low carb in the the gut health space too, it just naturally lowers fibers, kind of messes with hormones, messes with the nervous system in certain ways, if you're on that more long-term. So I would just be aware of the fiber. I, I definitely second that, um, to make sure that you're pooping each day. Um, I think that a couple of things to add, um, there's a couple of nutrients that I kind of hone in on, uh, when I work with people, one is glutathione. Mm. I, I would say typically that tends to be on the lower end from, from what I see in people in the SIBO space and the IBS space. I think there's a lot of stress on glutathione just because the gut's producing a lot of toxins that could be shipped off to the liver to have to deal with. Mm -hmm. And so if you're constantly getting these toxins shuttled from your gut to your liver, the liver constantly has to use glutathione to basically package those toxins up so that they're not so reactive and so that they can actually be detoxed. So I think glutathione often is low. Sometimes, again, I I won't necessarily add it in every case. I think a lot of times things like polyphenols, things like um, glycine, Mm -hmm. um, things like cruciferous, like having enough sulfur in your diet can also help with glutathione, like what you were saying with the cruciferous vegetables. There are certain cases where I will add glutathione in. I would say sometimes people that have more sulfur sensitivity have to be a little careful with glutathione from what I've seen, um, working with people, but I do think glutathione can be a really helpful, um, thing to try. If you find, if you've had some like detox troubles in the past and have just Mm -hmm. kind of feel like you need a little bit of extra support. Um, I think, Things like uh, B6 can sometimes Mm -hmm. be a factor uh, with a lot of people that have um, detox trouble. I tend to like to use the the active form of of B6. Um, Sometimes uh, uh, adding a little bit more of that I find can be really helpful. Um, Things like magnesium also can be a a big one for, for detox, which again, you could work um, more magnesium rich foods into the diet, um, which would probably be my preferred route. Um, and then again, if you're taking a multi, there should be some magnesium in it, in it, but, yeah. uh, certain ca- most multis kind of suck on the right. magnesium and calcium well, front. Right. Which I, I, I don't necessarily understand why magnesium wouldn't be, 
wouldn't be higher in a multi, but yeah. Um, it, yeah, I think in, in terms of like consistent bowel movements, I think magnesium can help too in certain cases mm-hmm. um, from a constipation front. Um, so those would probably be like the main, some of the main nutrients that I think can be low and people that have um, detox issues. And there's definitely like, there's a multitude of B vitamins that are mm-hmm. at play in detox in general. So sometimes finding like a, a B complex that might have a little bit more active B6 in it or something like mm-hmm. that can be a good option. Um, but yeah, I like glutathione a lot. I, I like bitter herbs, like kind of what you were describing, you were yeah. saying dandelion root, um, those sorts of things. I think bitters are really cool because they have a lot of like helpful effects on digestion too. Like they sort of stimulate all your digestive juices. Um, so you get digestive effects, like from maybe helping with stomach acid a little bit, helping with saliva production, helping with, um, bile flow, those sorts of things that are all really important for digestion and detox. So I really like bitters a lot. Um, I hate bitters, but I like them clinically. If that makes sense. Like I I despise the taste so much. Yeah. Um, Yeah. And a lot of herbalists, like I'll go to conferences and the herbalists will just like revel in the bitterness. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Let me try this one. (laughs) And they'll be like, Ooh, that's delightfully bitter. And I'm like, Oh, Oh, I can't do it. I don't know if that comes with like decades of experience with herbs, but I'm still, I I can't even drink beer because it's too bitter. Like I, beer and coffee are too bitter for me. So I don't do, I can't drink beer or coffee because all I taste is like bitter. So I'm like weird. I love bitter type. (laughs) I think bitters again, like I, I would say it's probably more rare that people would be like, taking a digestive bitter and be like, Oh, I just love this digestive bitter. I, I don't think that's typically the reaction. Um, but I think there's some that are Maybe a little bit more. Reason. Yeah. There's some that are a little bit that I feel like better tolerated than, than others. Um, in terms of taste, you might have to tinker around with a few. Um, but yeah, I think that, that again, having some herbs that can just help stimulates um bile flow I really like too I know you're mm. mentioning like artichoke leaf did you mm. mention artichoke leaf I can't yeah. remember if you did yeah okay like I like that one that one's in a lot of the prokinetic yeah. formulations nice um, that we've yeah that we've talked about so um I think and we've talked about in the past too how bile flow really can play a key role in motility as well yeah so I think a lot of times when there's constipation um, getting bile flow up and running again. And it can be a, um, not only a big factor in detox, but a big factor in helping with constipation. So getting kind of that connected folks, right. It it is all connected. And I know you were kind of talking about before, like, it is always a little bit hard to know, like where to start sometimes when you're working with people that have had longstanding gut issues. And it does sort of take experimentation and figuring out what what's going to work for that person because I I would say sometimes detox stuff does sort of like creep in like it's something that I always kind of look out for it's sometimes it's not always super obvious from the start to where we're trying something and I'll be like hey like I think you need a little bit more detox support based on how you're responding Mm -hmm. um 
but yeah, I mean, it it is a little bit of a complex, um, a complex thing because there's so, there's more inputs too than just, you know, focusing on liver. It is like, well, we want to get the bowel, the gut moving, uh, in a good way there, all the systems are connected. Sweating. Right. Right. You want to stop, um, adding so many toxins into the system. So it, it is like, I think sometimes when you're dealing with people and working with people that have a lot of symptoms, it's like knowing kind of where to start, um, from a detox standpoint, what makes the most sense. Yeah. Uh, and I think probably what makes the most sense, what you were saying earlier, like trying to slowly wean off some things and seeing yeah. where you're at. And then if you need some of these extra supports, like glutathione or adding a little bit more herbs or, um, kind of doing some of the initial dietary things that, that you were describing too, like cruciferous vegetables, um, maybe incorporating some more herbs into your diet. And then if you need anything additionally supplement wise, is kind of like a next layer. Yeah. And I think like, I, I just found the wording in my head, like as you were talking, this came to me is that I think honestly, detoxification, like protocols, if they're done correctly, they will be really slow. Yeah. Because like, you know, again, you start with the things that are frankly, not grand, not glamorous. You start yeah. out with the things like, you know, playing with some caloric restriction or, you know, doing like more cruciferous veggies, getting on a multivitamin, like avoiding all the chemical shit in the world. Like you start with the things that are really not fancy and they're also not quick in the sense of like, um, instant gratification for symptoms. It's very rare, you know, for people to say, okay, you know, new year, new me, I'm going to get rid of all my BPA water bottles. And I'm just going to yeah. drink out of glass or metal. And then like, they do that on a Tuesday and then Wednesday, they feel amazing. Like that doesn't right. happen. Right. Ever. It's because, and the thing to realize is that all of these chemical compounds have a half-life in the body. And a lot of them are really long. Um, like some of them, I'm trying to think, I think PCBs have a half-life in the human body of like 42 years or something. Oh my gosh. And that's yeah. why like you really need to work the angle of avoiding exposure as much as you can. Cause you might think, Oh, I I'm doing a good job avoiding whatever. But then once a month you have exposure to PCBs or you have exposure to phthalates. Um, now some compounds like arsenic, very, very toxic and a carcinogen, but thank God the half-life of arsenic in the human body is only like three or four days. Yeah. So at least you get rid of that more readily. Like each compound is different and your body's going to respond to them in ways that we probably don't understand yet. So I find that very rarely is it a conversation of like, hey, go on a detox for a week and then you feel great. Like yeah. it it's not that easy and it's not that fast, honestly. Like it really needs to be, I'm going to sound cliche. It needs to be more of a lifestyle change yeah. and it needs to be more of like a gradual, just like reducing what you can. Um, and you might find something too, that's really surprising. Like sometimes we talk about detoxification and it winds up being that people have a ton of mold in their house. Yeah. And then that's like, that's a whole nother topic for another day. But if you have <laughs> chronic exposure to something like mold, that's going to be not only hella inflammatory, but a big detox burden. And then that's going to soak up a lot of your glutathione and mess with your detoxification 
for all the other chemicals and crap that you're exposed to. So maybe right. you were doing fine with BPA before, but now if you have exposure to BPA plus mold, now the BPA isn't getting cleared out. And now you have some inflammatory consequences or whatever from that. Um, right. Yeah. It's almost like I sort of view it whenever I talk about stress, I like to think of it as like a bucket. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. I think it's almost the same way for toxins. Like there's a burden that our body can tolerate and deal with fine. But once that sort of starts to overflow and our body doesn't have capacity to deal with it anymore, that's when all the trouble starts. So I don't think the goal, what we're talking about is like 100% elimination of all toxins. You can't. Uh, yeah, you can't like our, our world, you can't our, our world super toxic, but you can do your best to kind of eliminate the things that that are biggies in your life, what you're putting on your skin, mm-hmm. um, what you're putting in your body, like trying to avoid the, the biggies um, yeah. on a day to day basis. And I really love the term you used, which it used two terms, which is glamorous and fancy. Like, I feel like that is like exactly what I think about when I think of all these mainstream yeah. detoxes is they yep. tend to be very glamorous. Um, if your detox is something that you could put on Instagram, you're doing right. Right. Exactly. I think that's such a good word to use when it comes to detoxes, because that should definitely be a red flag. If what you're saying, there's a, a, someone talking about detox on, on Instagram and it being a seven day or 14 day. Here's a picture of all my fresh, fresh pressed juice for the day. Or here's a, here's (laughs) a picture of my herbal life. Right. My cute smoothie, my cute detox smoothie or I mean, I guess just to be shitters now, I should go on Instagram today and I should post like <laughs> drinking water out of my metal water bottle. No P- yeah. no BPA here. Right. Like, I mean, you could, I guess, if you wanted to be really obnoxious, you could put that on Instagram, but yeah. Or, or me, my addiction. I don't know if you do the same. Um, I'm a recovering addict. I was addicted to Bath and Body Works. Oh my gosh. Oh man. Because in my defense, I grew up in a little podunk town, dry New York, holler. And when the mall near me, when the Ithaca mall got a Bath and Body Works, I was in like, I don't even know, like seventh grade. It was the primo time. And it was like novel and new and hip and exciting. And they have those damn deals where they're like 20 bottles of lotion for a nickel, come and get it. (laughs) And I love a bargain. So combined with the fact that I was like the perfect age, and this was like the most exciting thing in my little town to happen was a Bath and Body Works and a Target in the mall. Both were like big deal. And just like everything lined up. So I, at any given time, I had a library of Bath and Body Works lotions that were fragranced out the wazoo, probably with phthalates and probably like parabens and God knows what else, but I was addicted to those. And I had a library of like 20 at any given time. And my husband still jokes that probably part of the reason he fell in love with me was because I smelled like a giant sugar cookie because he's a sugar addict too. So I had like the, you know, the, the, uh, shortbread cookie or like vanilla sugar scented, whatever. So anyway, I look back and just like, as I got into functional medicine and I learned like, Oh, this actually matters. You know, I didn't like throw away my 20 bottles of lotion I think I just used what I had. And then eventually I bought like 
some hippy dippy lotion that doesn't have phthalates and stuff in it. And, you know, it's just like, as you finish off products, just make conscious choices to buy something else. Um, <laughs> if it's something like a water bottle, you can easily just throw away your BPA water bottle and get like a metal or a glass water bottle, but like consumable products, just like use what you have and then use that time to research what you want to replace it with. And then just like make a better swap. Eventually. Right. You know, it, it, you don't have to go crazy and like dump out everything in your house, but eventually right. you want to get to a point where you're not constantly bombarded with this chemical crap. Right. I 100% agree. Um, and it can be like what you're saying, kind of a gradual process. It doesn't have to be like rushing to, yeah, to detox everything from your home that potentially has a chemical in it. Um, but yeah, I, I, I agree with everything you're saying. I love that you had sugar cookies and like Christmas cookie, like every cookie imaginable in a lotion form. That's how you hook the man, ladies. You <laughs> smell like a sugar cookie and you're you dousing like- yourself with balance. Yeah. <laughs> right, right. Come get a voice. Oh my gosh. That makes me so happy to think about. Yep. But Not no. that you're dousing yourself with phthalates that you smelled like a sugar cookie for a number of yeah. years. Yeah straight up I did and now I walk by Bath and Body Works in the mall and I'm like oh it smells so intense yeah similarly like one of the things we eventually swapped out was dryer sheets like just chemical yeah in dryer sheets so I made wool dryer balls and and we'll either use those or nothing and our yeah. towels are not super soft. Amy, when you come have a slumber party at our house someday, you will be greeted by super like average towels in the guest bathroom. Don't That's expect right. anything plush and wonderful because we don't use dryer sheets. But like, it's not that big of a deal. But what's weird, similarly, we haven't used dryer sheets in years and years. That was one of the first things to go. And when we lived in an apartment complex a few years ago, we were walking our dogs around the complex and we could always tell when people were doing laundry because you just, you get hit by like the cloud of dryer sheet smell and you're like, oh, oh my God, I'm going to, I like, I don't get migraines, but like, I'm good to get a migraine from that smell. And it's weird. Like once you kind of get rid of these really intense fragrances from your life, you even walk past somebody's house and you're like, (laughs) oh, Dawson's, yeah Dawson's. yeah so I know like I'm hippie no I was definitely like growing up bath and body works was your thing I would go in a Yankee candle oh. smell all of the candles oh. smell every candle my husband yep. always jokes he got kicked out of a Yankee candle because he smelled too many <laughs> I so was gonna got... say was he kicked out because of you or no this was no, his not own because accord. no it was his own um, that's how you lured I, him in, huh? Mine is yeah. not the body works smelling like a cookie. You took him on a date to Yankee Candle, didn't you? Right, right. I think too, um, I used to love like the smell of salons as well. Like I oh. used to love that smell. I don't know what it was, but I would like, when I was younger, there was a Donato's like right by this hair salon and me and my friend would ride our little electric scooters to the Donato's like for a pizza day. It's a pizza place. Okay. For a pizza date it was like sixth or seventh grade you know we were like 13 or 12 something around there and there's this a salon there and I would literally open the door smell it and then walk away <laughs> so like the people like I we'd probably go there once a week and I look like the weirdo 
smelling the salon and just walking away. Like I'm sure the employees were like, oh, she's back. That's fantastic. Yeah. And to be clear, this is not the salon where you yourself went to get your haircut, right? You no, would just no, like no. pop in, smell, and then never right. do business exactly there. Right. That's even better. Exactly right. I that's don't think my mom would let me do that or she would probably be like, that's weird. Don't stop doing that. But whenever I was just with me and my friend, I'd be like, oh, sorry. I got to pop over to the salon, take a quick smell and then we can have our pizza. <laughs> ah. well, you know, you, you, we all have, um, we all have things. that we need to scratch and you have right. a weirder one than most. Certainly. <laughs> I'm sure I had others that uh, they will be divulged further oh, on the podcast. I'm sure. Um, but okay. So let's see, do we leave anything out? Um, oh, can we just, can we like fangirl it up about glutathione for a hot minute? Oh yes. Um, it is, it's great. I should have included that in my list. Admittedly, my only hesitancy ever with glutathione is that it does tend to be one of the more expensive supplements Right. that at least like from what I carry in stock. So my just kind of like mindset, I try to not favor the expensive supplements whenever I can get away with it. But sometimes you really, really need it. Like uh, my mom was exposed to mold in her workplace about two years ago. And it was really, really bad Um, to a point where eventually like she would walk in the building and she would immediately like get wheezy and get like really sick. And she joked that for the months that they were working on that office and they were cleaning up the mold because it was in the air handling system too. For months, she called herself a squatter because she would just like take her laptop and her bag from like conference room to conference room and just like squat there and do her work because she couldn't go in her own building. Um, But during that time, I actually, uh, it was a little bit out of my wheelhouse to deal with mold exposure to that degree. Yeah. So we sought out um, a colleague, an MD who does like specializes more in like functional medicine, but for mold purposes. Yeah. And one of the really big tenants for her of that treatment was glutathione out the wazoo. Yeah. Like a thousand milligrams, three times a day, orally plus glutathione intramuscular injections. Wow. And we call them her butt shots, by the way. Like I would be like, all right. And I had to do that for her for like the first week. She would come to my office every day and I would do, I would give her her shot in her butt, like in the glute. Like, all right, here you go. And uh, it was a running gag, but she was doing a lot of glutathione. Yeah. Um, So there's, again, there's more than one way to pet a cat. You could do glutathione topically, like there are lotions and creams, there are intermuscular injections, there are glutathione drips, um, you know, like a, a bag drip that you do over the course of an hour or so. You could do supplements. Um, so there's, depending on like the need that you have, it's just, it does tend to be a bit expensive, especially like, I mean, she was going through, um, I'm trying to think like the product I had her on for the oral glutathione, I think it's like $75 a tube. And she was going through like a tube a week, easy oh for my just gosh. the oral, let alone yeah. the injections. Right. Um, but again, she was a very extreme case, um, but it really does help. And glutathione, we could do an entire episode on it because right. it's, it helps seal up leaky gut. It yeah. tells the immune system to chill the F out and not do weird autoimmune inflammatory stuff. It's good for the brain. It's like good for the liver. It's a detoxifier. It's a gentle chelator but it doesn't redistribute 
metals and stuff to the brain, which is great. So it does, it like gently pulls stuff out without redistributing it. I mean, glutathione is the bee's knees. Um, But I do think that that could be a really important thing for detox. It's just sometimes I'll favor like, you know, glutamine or glycine or adenosine and doing like the precursors or cruciferous veggies, which side note, this is why you can't go on like a zero sulfur diet. Right. A patient asked me about this recently because we were talking about hydrogen sulfide production and his, uh, he's, he's fallen down the rabbit hole of the internet wisdom a fair amount of times. And he was like, okay, so I can't eat any sulfur foods, right? I can't have that because I have sulfur. And I was like, no, no, no. Like you need sulfur. (laughs) Yeah. It's cool. Just, you know, don't go like, if anything, maybe watch your red meat consumption for a couple of weeks while we're getting this under control, but like, don't, don't cut out the cruciferous veggies. Like don't cut out that stuff yet. You don't need to. Um, but I had to kind of like reel it back in like, no, it's okay. Right. (laughs) Um, Right. But you know, you need, you need sulfur for other things too, like to make mucus in your gut, which is very important. Um, but one of the things is you need it to make glutathione and you need glutathione for a lot of stuff. Right. Um, For like your immune system, your detoxing, your gut, your liver, your brain, like you don't want to go on a completely zero sulfur diet. And if you do a low sulfur diet for, you know, if you have like H2S hydrogen sulfide SIBO, for example, you know, maybe reduce your sulfur in your diet for like a week or two or three, and then yeah. have the intention of getting it right back in. You don't want to be on this diet for a prolonged period of time because then you're going to make more inflammation for yourself because then you're tanking your glutathione. So it's it, right. It's kind of like low FODMAP. Like again, yeah. low FODMAP can maybe help reduce inflammation for a period of time yeah. and dampen down well, symptoms, like but it's yeah. not necessarily going to be something you want to be on for a while. Yeah, I think that. Another interesting thing that I've noticed from glutathione, I just wanted to add it in as an aside, is it is a, I mean, when we think about COVID too, um, be, glutathione being helpful for that, but it's, it's a bronchodilator. Mm-hmm. Um, so anyone that has like asthma, I actually had someone take it for detox reasons and they were a runner and they, they were struggling with their runs, like with breathing during their runs mm-hmm. and they took glutathione and they said they're, they're running performance increased like 80 to 90%. Like the, the issues they were having when they were running and the breathing issues went away. Like it it was, it blew my mind. It was crazy. So any, like sometimes with asthma, those sorts of conditions where there's some, some breathing issues. Um, and there could be a number of reasons why it's helping with breathing. Again, there's immune modulating effects. Huge. uh, huge asthma too. Right. Right. Exactly. So glutathione just has so many different benefits, um, in the body. And I always think of it as just like kind of something that sits sort of in your cells and collects things and makes them less reactive. So there's a lot of like toxins and things that come into your, your cells. And what glutathione does is it, I always think of it like kind of enveloping some of those things, basically Mm -hmm. making it less reactive so that they're ready to be detoxed. Um, so yeah, I think glutathione definitely can be a huge one and can be so depleted if you've had chronic gut issues for a while. Um, and 
again, I like that you're a little bit more like, let's kind of wait and like see um, some other approaches if we don't necessarily need to add glutathione. I'm sort of the same way. Um, I think glutathione can be really helpful. I'm also really curious. I know like Chris Masterjohn did a, a discussion around glutathione. He had all these posts around glutathione. Um, and one was talking about like the, and this is to do with kind of the expense of what form you're getting. Mm. And with gut issues, I tend to go more for the liposomal form mm. if I'm supplementing. Um, but he kind of made the argument that maybe liposomal isn't as important as it, like you could do a higher dose of non-liposomal and it might be just as effective, but more mm. cost-effective. Mm. Um, so he kind of makes that argument. I would say it probably would have to depend on the state of the gut too. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, what for makes the most sense, but if expense was a part of the, the equation, you could experiment a little bit with like non-liposomal forms mm-hmm. so that it's a little bit more cost-effective. Um, but it really just depends on, on the case, what makes sense. Yeah. And I'd be curious, I haven't really read much about it. Um, like the different forms of glutathione, I do tend to opt for either like acetylated or liposomal forms. Yeah. Um, but I think I've seen that brought up in like professional forums before that maybe you could get away with doing the non-fancy glutathione and it would be just fine. Right. Um, right. I think, yeah, it's it, it, curious. I just haven't really read it, but keep in mind, mostly what you're going to see on the internet probably is going to be a person or a company who's trying to sell you their particular glutathione. So, right. you know, I, I think not necessarily Chris Masterjohn. I don't know if he even has a product like that. But like, right. you know, I, I learned about glutathione initially from Datis Karazian at an Apex Energetics <laughs> seminar right. And, right. and they sell glutathione products. So right. that was like the initial bias. Right. And then if you, you know, if you go on Google and you're reading like Chris Kresser or Amy Myers or whatever big name comes up at the top of your Google, chances are those people, part of their business model is that they will say, oh, hey, BTW, at the bottom of this article about glutathione, here's a link to buy my super special awesome glutathione. And it's just like, keep keep all of that in mind when you're reading about stuff like this, because I think the internet is made for selling you a lot of stuff. And the, uh, like, what is it, uh, advertorial kind of space is really blowing up where like it looks like a legitimate right editorial piece or like researchy blog piece and that at the end they just sneak in oh btw buy my thing and it's like right. oh this was actually a setup for me to purchase the thing all along and i don't know just keep your eyes peeled for stuff like that um i think the the companies that sell liposomal are going to tell you without a shadow of a doubt liposomal is way better and the people right. who sell acetylated glutathione are going to tell you acetylated is the best. And I don't know. I think um, I still tend to opt for the fancier ones because ultimately part of my fear is that I just want it to work. Right. So if there's, I, I agree. If there's even like a glimmer of doubt that the normal glutathione would be as effective, I would almost like, I would rather that people's complaint about me is that I had them get expensive supplements rather than I had them get supplements that do not work. Right. right? So like just my bias and thinking about it a little bit from that perspective, I do tend to still recommend the snazzier glutathiones. I'm just more mindful with like how many people I have taking them because, 
you know, again, with my mom, like she was going through a $75 tube of goo <laughs> right, a week. Right. And a lot of people who are not my mother <laughs> wouldn't really love that idea. So I just, I try to be mindful of that because it is an expense. Right. No, I 100% really Yeah, I 100% agree. I tend to prefer the liposomal forms as well. I'm sort of just interested. I I haven't done my own research on it. Mm. I'm interested to see like what the the difference in the efficacy would be because his argument is that there really isn't as much evidence Mm. for the liposomal and it's more cost effective. He's um, pretty legit. I do yeah. like his master job stuff. So I'm kind of curious. I'll have to go back. And yeah. Watch I'll, those videos. I'll find the, he had an article on it, so I can okay. try to send you the link. Um, but I thought it was an interesting uh, argument because he tends to be pretty, like he doesn't have a line of supplements. Um, yeah. He might be affiliated with a few, but I don't yeah, think-, I think there's like an ancestral health supplement line or something that he, I think they like sponsor his podcast or yeah something. potentially for but sure otherwise like I don't think he doesn't have like I don't think it's quite the same I don't think he gets like a cut of the profit if they buy right or whatever um but yeah I, I I'll have to research that a little bit more like I said I mean glutathione could for sure be like profoundly helpful yeah. probably the best scenario and I'll have to see if I ever come across a case where I could do this um I was trying to parse this out with turmeric also um where like it, every company has some snazzy, yeah. proprietary, emulsified, whatever product of turmeric that they're trying to sell you. And I was using one that was a capsule, like a gel capsule for a while. And I had this one patient, uh, this will loop back, by the way, hold on. Um, I had this patient who noticed pretty notable joint pain decrease on that particular curcumin product. And then at some point along the lines, probably at an herbal medicine seminar, I came across uh, th- this guy and he was saying, yeah, you don't need to use the fancy like $80 bottles of stuff, just use turmeric tincture. And I was like, really? That is so much cheaper. I mean, it's the difference yeah. between like $24 versus like $84. Yeah. It's crazy. So I was like, okay, color me interested. I'm going to try it out. So I reached out to this patient and I was like, hey, if I give you a bottle... <laughs> of the tincture. Will you like try it out and let me know if it's as effective as the gel capsules? And she got back to me and said, yeah, it is. So we switched her over to the much more cost-effective tincture. And that's basically what I've been using ever since is just turmeric tincture. Yeah. Um, But I, if I could find somebody like that for glutathione, if I find somebody who's responding positively to the liposomal glutathione, then the ultimate experiment will to have that, ask that person, Hey, will you be my guinea pig here? Try a non-lipisomal form and give me feedback. So I'll have to let you know if that ever comes to fruition. Um, Right. And I think his argument was like, you might have to take a little bit more, like the, the amount that you take would be more than some of the liposomal glutathione, but it's still way more cost-effective to take more of the non-lipisomal form. Yeah. Um, so yeah, that'd be a really interesting experiment because I haven't necessarily done anything like that where it was super targeted. Um, but brain in me is like, (laughs) I know, I know it's kind of, it is like, cause I think uh, I'm guilty sometimes of getting sucked into like, Ooh, like look at this, like cool new, like way that they're uh, like encapsulating, 
like turmeric and curcumin and yeah. you, you know look at how this cool new supplement that's coming out and like sometimes you do have to kind of like take a step back and be like wait is this like could I find a way that's equally as helpful yeah that's less shiny um yeah. so it, it is always interesting as a practitioner yeah. when you kind of get marketed th- this stuff trying to weed through what what the best options are yeah and I think like we all get that. I mean, yeah. I'm I'm very mindful of it now in part two because I've learned my lesson because I don't know about you, but I stock supplements here yeah. and herbs here and very, at least for my patients who are local in North Carolina, like I will send them home with stuff from their appointment typically. And what ends up happening inevitably is that if I get the new shiny, if I'm like, oh, the new whatever, or, oh, I like forgot that product existed. Let's stock up on that. What ends up happening is that then almost always they sit on the shelf. I don't use them and then they expire. And then I have to write it off as shrink in my taxes. I'm like, darn it. Like, yeah. That's so dumb. So I'm like throwing away hundreds of dollars worth of products, particularly potentially I'm like, oh, that was hella dumb. Like I should have just stuck with the product that I knew was working fine. Right. Um, so I do. Yeah. I've, I've learned my lesson a few times because I've had to throw away enough product that I'm like, oh, that was dumb. I should just like be more mindful of the sales pitches right? And not, not fall for it quite so much. So I'm getting better at it now that I'm a little bit older, but. Right. I think it's always a learning. There's always a learning curve to that. Um, and I think like generally uh, we're typically working with pretty high quality supplement companies, but still like modal pro is a great example. Like it looks great on paper, but we both haven't necessarily had good effects with it. Um, so it can look kind of uh, like an amazing supplement and that it could potentially help. But once you kind of try it out, it just doesn't. Yeah. And you have to kind of keep trying things and something that doesn't seem as shiny might like work and you might stumble on it in a very kind of unusual way. Mm -hmm versus doing something really, um, almost targeted. Like there's been some happy accidents of things that I've discovered. Um, and I think you have too, uh, just in our discussions, working with people. And those are always like the fun ones, (laughs) but interesting things to see. You're like, what? it had that effect. I I wasn't expecting that, but that's great. Like that you're feeling that way or those types of things. Yep. And glutathione is a good one for that. Like I've definitely had some weird stuff, maybe not as profound as your example with the running, but like glutathione interacts with every cell of the body in a myriad of ways. So when you drop something like that into the system, it's all hats are off truly right. trying to figure out like right. how it's going to interact with the body. And it could be like beyond your wildest imagination beneficial, <laughs> or it could just be, you know, a part of the program you do for a while and then you don't notice yeah. it. Um, my last bit on glutathione before I forget again is I have so funny enough, right before the pandemic started, or at least like before it became more of an issue on my radar in like February, I happened to get some blood work done for a panel through Genova. It was their new at the time methylation panel. And I thought, Oh, that's kind of cool. I'll check it out. And I ran one on myself. And one of the things that came back on it was that my glutathione was low like measurably low per the lab range, yeah. which automatically is like, oh, okay. Like that needs to be addressed. And then the pandemic hit and I promptly forgot about it. Just like, you know, it was like 
a couple days prior or something. And I just like put it on the back burner of like, oh, okay. And as a lot of us did, I got really caught up in like, oh my God, what's going to happen with the world? What's going to happen with my business? Is the economy going to collapse? Oh my God. And I was really stressed. And one of the things I noticed was that I was losing hair, like a ton of hair Mm -hmm. for about five weeks, basically from the first day the pandemic became like a a real big thing. Like um, I I seem to remember it right around St. Patty's Day, 17th, like basically, you know, the 16th onward for about five weeks, I was losing a lot of hair and I was freaking out and I didn't know why. And at eventually at like the four or five week mark, I had the epiphany and I remembered, I was like, oh God, like glutathione was low. I wonder, you, you know, it was like a Hail Mary at this point. Like I had already tried playing with pregnenolone and DHEA and some other stuff. And I was like, nothing's really working. So my Hail Mary was, oh, I forgot about the glutathione. I wonder. And I started taking glutathione and literally like within a week, the issue subsided. It's oh like, my oh, gosh. okay. Yeah. You have my attention glutathione. And I just kind of like kept with it for a couple of weeks or a month. And then I, I came back off of it. Now I have, I will be clear. A lot of SIBO folk suffer from hair loss and it's a yeah. really big deal. Like I know I was royally freaked out when it was happening and I kept yeah. joking with my husband, like, I don't want to be a bald YouTuber. So it is, it's like a vanity thing. I was like, yeah. I want my hair. I don't want my hair to go. So yeah. I was in that panic mode and I have had some patients where I just tell them this anecdote. I'm like, I don't know if it'll work, but let's try it. And I've had some people report that it seemed to help. And I've had a good chunk of people say that it really didn't do anything for them. Yeah. So if you're listening to this and you think like, oh, this is my holy grail of hair loss. I mean, maybe it did help me. And that was the only thing I changed at that time. I really, truly think it was the glutathione that helped me. Um, but I've had other patients where like, we didn't measure glutathione. We didn't know if it was a thing, but we thought, ah, what the heck, let's throw it in there. And it didn't seem to help them. But for what it's worth, that seemed to be related to my hair loss thing from the stress and God knows what was happening with my body at the time. That's so interesting. Uh, I haven't, I, I haven't necessarily made that correlation, but that's really cool. I, I do feel like one thing that I hear more often with glutathione is energy. Like I tend to see energy differences. There's one case in particular where like really low energy for a long period of time, they had done a lot of different SIBO protocols and weren't necessarily making progress. Mm-hmm. We put glutathione into the mix and it like was a total game changer mm. from an energy like mood standpoint, mm. um, which I thought was, was really cool. And there could be a lot of different reasons why, but I've seen that a couple times where it seemed to make it a decent effect. I can think of another case where energy, and I think that other case had mold as a mm. component as well. Yeah. Um, and they were kind of working with another kind of mold specific provider. Um, but we had added the glutathione in before they knew about the mold mm. and it was helping. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I definitely see glutathione kind of being helpful from like an overall well-being, like energy type standpoint. I- I've definitely yeah. seen those types of effects. Yeah. It's a very talented molecule. Yeah, it really is. If you want to fall down the Google rabbit hole, just Google glutathione and go wild. <laughs> go hog so wild. Much, sure. Right. Um, 
Yeah. All right. Well, let's see. So to recap the detoxification conversation, because admittedly the fangirl and glutathione might've gotten us a little off track, but I think it was worth it. Um, so nutritionally we, uh, you know, well, uh, first off, I'm just going to put this number one, even above nutrition is avoid the toxic shit. Yep. If you, again, if you're drinking from a plastic water bottle or using dryer sheets or, you know, whatever it might be, just start Google the terms endocrine disruptor and toxicant that'll get you on a good path. And that way, you know, the endocrine disruptors, the hormone disruptors will encompass things like BPA and phthalates and parabens and that kind of crap. Toxicants will be a little bit more broad and include things like arsenic and cadmium and mercury. But if you Google those things and then try to avoid those things to the best of your ability, I think that's your number one for detoxification. Then if you can support nutritionally, make sure that you are nutrient replete. Like we've talked about in previous episodes, like if you're deficient in iron or if you're protein deficient, or if you, you know, like whatever the case may be, if you're fiber deficient, just make sure that you're nutrient replete in whatever way you can and kind of fill in those holes, however you can ideally with food. But if you need to do something like, you know, a fiber supplement or a multivitamin during a time of need, that's fine too. Um, and then as you get deeper into the throes of detoxification, then if you want to add things in like picking up a fasting practice, adding in more cruciferous veggies or more glycine rich foods like bone broth, and then maybe some herbs again, like Shizandra, milk thistle, St. John's wort, dandelion, whatever the case may be for you, then the more the merrier. But like I said, I mean, detoxification Honestly, if you're doing it right, it shouldn't be glamorous and it shouldn't be quick and it shouldn't be something that you can like snap a selfie on Instagram with. This should be just like boring, you making different choices and swapping out different products and choosing some different foods and just making some changes in your life that gradually give you the net effect of better health. Um, So that's kind of my executive summary for detoxification and glutathione. Um, Did I leave out anything that you could think of that we we talked about? No, I think that that's a really good summary. I liked how you kind of went down the, the, the prongs, like it's a more pronged approach. Um, and you can kind of start from the beginning and work your way down if you feel like you need to. Yeah. Like some people might need a little bit of a deeper dive into detox. And usually if you're talking about the deeper dives, you might need a little bit of guidance from someone to help you, but a lot of the, uh, the initial stages most people can do from a dietary standpoint. Um, but yeah, I think you did a good job summing everything up. Yes. All right. Rock on. Well, I think that's about a wrap guys. So as always, if you are listening to this on a podcasting app, if you could rate us five stars, that would be super helpful. And then we could reach more people and help more people rid the world of IBS and gut problems. Uh, And if you're on YouTube, if you could hit the bell, subscribe, comment down below. If you have any questions for us, of course, comment down below in YouTube in the comments, or you could email us at, what is our email? IBSfreedompod at gmail.com, I think. And we have an Instagram handle and that handle is IBS.freedom.podcast. Cool. I will remember eventually. I promise. Amy's more of like the, the Instagrammer person behind the operation. So um, ibs.freedom.podcast is our Instagram handle. ibsfreedompod at gmail.com is our email address. Or like I said, comment on the YouTube comments. But as always, thank you for tuning in and we will hear, we will hear you 
and see you, that made sense, right? In the next episode. It did. It did. <laughs>